Hello, Mrs. Jones. Hello, sir. Uh, amazing week. Very good week, yes. We we are recording this as we come straight back from dinner with our jingle winners. It's true. So my tummy is filled with steak. Yes. We and, fed them steak for writing music. And creme brulee. Yes. If I could write music, I would work for steak. You would? <laughs> Give me slabs of cow and I will compose your music. Wouldn't you? No. You say no, but every time we go there, you eat steak. Not every time. Uh, seriously, when was the last time you went there and didn't have steak? I I go back and forth between the Thai Kai salad and prime rib. Okay. So mm. you either eat meat or meat. Well, so I'd need to be paid in chickens and, <laughs> and cow. <laughs> we will start a bartering system. We had a fabulous week this week. We really did. Should we start with the fact that I am now an owner of a bike? You are the owner of a bike. And in the last two days, I have ridden seven miles. Yes. And my butt and my knees would like to talk to you about that. <laughs> if only they could talk, which I'm kind of glad they can't. <laughs> so I, if you were listening last week, we were, I was talking about talking with the idea of getting a bike. Mm-hmm. And so worked very closely with our new friend Jeremy at Moab Bikes in Franklin, uh, who was very, very helpful. And we ended up with a bike for Abby for Christmas and a bike for me. And we went back and forth of, what, should we let Abby ride on our bike before Christmas Day? And we thought, we're in such unseasonably warm weather right now. Mm-hmm. Let's let her ride her bike, because on Christmas Day it could be raining. Yeah, it's in the 70s right now. It's so amazing. It seemed kind of cruel to be like, there's your new shiny bike. Yes, it's in the garage, and you know it's there. And but you it's have to wait two weeks. You, but you're going to wait for two weeks. So we went to the park where they have like a, a walking riding trail. Mm-hmm. And I thought, gosh, this bike riding stuff's easier than I thought. And we just did four miles, no problem. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I was like, man, I can totally be able to bike to work on Monday. This is going to be so easy. (laughs) I guess I am healthier than I thought. You know what's true? What they say once you learn to ride a bike, you never forget. I am good for this. Yeah. And then today happened. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to cycle half the way to work. You know, just kind of break it in. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get out of our subdivision. <laughs> well, you made it out of the subdivision. I made it out of the subdivision and then kind of made it halfway up the hill. Our commute, the 96. Our commute to work is 10 miles. Yes. I managed to get three of them done. Well, one and a half was your way back. So you, you made it a mile and a half before you <laughs> packed it in, turned around. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. there's a big difference between actually riding on terrain versus riding around a level thing in a nice park. This is why I think that maybe if you rode with somebody that rides, like Ronson or Don or somebody like that, right, who, the, the only people, who understands how the gears work and how you no, use the gears in see, different ways. It isn't a gear your problem. Advantage. <laughs> You're adorable blaming that on gear. I think it's a general lack of I'm fitness. Not, I'm not fully blaming it on the gears. I'm just saying perhaps there's some help for you to be found. The help that could in be found. understanding the gears better. The help that could be found is if our friends Don and... Ronson wanted to swap legs and butts with me. <laughs> or tow you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I could follow them and just slipstream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> anyway, I started my journey as a bike person, and there's a whole subculture that I don't understand. Yes. And, um, These people are into their bikes. They're so into it, they've committed to a world of Lycra. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to see me in Lycra. No. Not even There was like an colored. old guy that came in to get his uh, uh, bike fixed. 
well, you're buying your bike uh-huh. like fully in Lycra. And I was like, you know, I don't care how fit you are. That's just not right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> bikes in Lycra were a high point. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of social activities this week. We did. We had dinner with our fabulous small group leaders on Tuesday night. We did. And fabulous they are. We have 13 small group leaders. I think so. At our school who help us run the school. They're just fabulous. So we enjoyed a Christmas dinner with them, mm-hmm. which was lovely. And then later of course that... we had Mexican food for a Christmas dinner. Every good Christmas dinner should be Mexican. <laughs> what have you got against Mexicans? You're such Nothing. a racist. They celebrate Christmas <laughs> with tacos. And then Thursday night, we had our whole school Christmas party, which was a spectacular success. It was a great success, thanks to Danielle and Sarah. Mm-hmm, and they're amazing. It was good. They're always good fun. I always love the the videos and the just things that people put together. They're mm-hmm. amusing. And then Friday, we went to a new restaurant, Tupelo Honey. Tupelo Honey Cafe. Which I hadn't heard of, but it's a southern restaurant. Started in... Asheville, I think. Asheville. Mm-hmm. Really nice. I was quite impressed. Yeah, it was very good. What did you end up having? Steak frites. Mm, Mexican food. No. <laughs> I, had the, I had the chicken tacos. En français, s'il vous plaît. Because if there is tacos <laughs> on our menu, I'm more than likely to eat them. That's very true. Actually, my favorite part of the entire meal was, are you ready? The drink. What, what did you have to drink? A blueberry fizzy, I think it was called. That sounds like a real good big grown-up, big girl drink. It was a big girl drink. What is blueberry fizz? I don't know. Is I don't know what was in it. Blueberry and fizz. But it was good. And then Saturday, you ran a screening of Return of the Jedi. Yes. Because apparently there's a new Star Trek movie coming out. Alan Jones. Star Wars is coming out next Friday. We, of course, are not seeing it until the following week because we wanted to make sure that we got IMAX 3D tickets. Um, but yes, so it just made sense that we would have a little update for those. There are people that have not seen 4, 5, and 6. I don't care about 1, 2, and 3 because they Nobody were horrible. Nobody cares about no, 1, 2, and 3. They don't even exist. But people had not actually seen 4, 5, and 6. And that's just wrong. And you set out to do the Lord's work and evangelize. Yes. Absolutely. You know what, baby? I commend you. You're a hard worker. Thank you. I did want it. I did want to watch A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi back to back, but we didn't have nine available hours to do that. And you also realize you have a family. Yes. Yeah. And so I found a video that summarized the first two. You're diligent. And then we watched the third one. Very good. Yes. And then Sunday this morning, church. It's the first time I've ever been in a church service where a fire alarm went off. Yeah. In the middle of worship, our fire alarms went off. Yeah. It was, uh, we don't know what triggered them. It was completely a false alarm. But worship was amazing. It really was. It was fantastic. And Jeff did his thing again that we talked about last week. Yes. Where he just stands up and keeps going with the Holy Spirit. And everybody just applauds Jeff for that because he's brilliant at it. Yeah. And then our good friend Artie Kendall was speaking. Yeah, and it was really good. It was an amazing word. Yeah. Really, really simple. Really simple, but so profound. Mm -hmm. Great teacher. Mm -hmm. Really love seeing RT. It's quite fun watching him pick on other people. Yeah, you're just glad it's not you. That's right, I am. (laughs) All right, our main topic for this week. Yes. It's all about hard work. It is. And our topic uh, is brought to you by Jessie Early. Yeah, she said 
why don't you speak on about hard work? You did a great summary this week. You said it often seems like we all want the fruit of hard work without actually having to do the hard work itself. Sure. And I'm sure it would be much easier if that was reality, but that's very few people's reality. <laughs> it's the same thing as, you know, you look at the house that your parents had when you're 20 and you're moving out. And when you go to buy your first house, you want a house that looks like the house you grew up in. Well, your parents probably didn't own that house when you were little. You know what I mean? Like, Right. That wasn't so, our first house. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we always have interesting perspectives on how much effort needs to go into something that looked to us like it was free. I think being shaken free from entitlement is a hard thing. Yeah. Like when you suddenly realize, oh, oh, that's not the way life works. Right. It's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Yeah. One of the conversations that we tend to have over and over and over, and again, I, I don't say this to ridicule the people we have conversations with, because I remember being on the other side of this conversation when I was their age, where it seems that people have a vision and a dream for their life and are quite content to work towards that dream and their vision. But unfortunately, none of those doors are opening for said dream and vision. Right, at the moment. And what doors are opening are, would you like fries with that kind of jobs? <laughs> right, or, or maybe they're great office jobs, but they're not the dream. Right, and we've had the benefit of some hindsight where you realize looking back in life that you actually work hard in one season to reap in another. Yes. And that's kind of the tricky part about God. I, you know, a lot of the conversations we have, people are like, I'd be willing to work hard for my dream, but they're reluctant to work hard without a dream in sight. Right. Which kind of makes sense, but it's like, hey, if you don't work, you won't have rent, you won't be able to live, you won't have food, and then you'll never be able to fulfill your dream. In essence, you are supporting your dream, just not in an immediately tangible sense. Yeah, and I think that there's something to giving 100 or 150% wherever God places you that is satisfying, even when you're not working in your dream, that, you know, God's favor can still show up. You can still receive promotion. You can, you know, you can still impact the world around you while you wait for the dream to come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, that's the life of, of Joseph, isn't it? Right. It's funny, the, there's a couple of verses in Proverbs. There's two that are identical. One's found in Proverbs 12, 11. The other's found in Proverbs 28, 19. They both say pretty much the same thing. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Or those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. And that's the thing where we're like, oh, in this fantasy-rich, wonderful world, I'm quite content to work hard for that dream, but I don't want to work hard in the land that I have right now. And, you know, the writer of Proverbs is saying, uh, uh, it, it, doesn't it doesn't work, work that like way. That. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 14.23 says this, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And the truth is, you practice working hard where you are right now. Yes. And that's hard because it seems so detached from your dreams. Yeah, but I mean, when I look back, of course, you, you hindsight is twenty twenty, And right. we are in full-time ministry and we are doing a job that we're designed for. Right. But I've done plenty of jobs that were nowhere near the dream. You know, I served tables for 14 years and then I worked for a corporate business for five years. And, you know, none of those things were the dream. Right. But I I don't I don't know that I could have been happy going in and giving less than 100%. Yeah, that's the thing that people don't understand, that every job has sucky parts to it. Sure. 
It really does. Yeah. And I forget who it was. Was it Danielle that said everyone needs a would you like fries with that season? One of her friends said, I think everybody needs an Applebee's season in their life. Applebee's is a restaurant you probably wouldn't aspire to work at. But, you know, so I think it was Danielle. So here's Danielle, our wonderful school administrator. But after she graduated from college, she's highly educated, highly employable, and she couldn't find a job. So she just worked at Applebee's. And I think everybody needs a season like that where you learn hard work without any visible return on those benefits. Yeah. And you get to find out what you're really made of. I think that's one of the seasons where you find out what your character really is. Are you going to be able to serve somebody else? do a great job and not grumble and just get on with it. Right. You mentioned earlier that we love our job and Confucius, the great Chinese philosopher said, choose a job you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Now, I, I get the point he's making. We work very hard at our jobs. The difference is we absolutely love it. Right. But the truth is we learned the part of working hard in jobs we didn't love. Yes. Like For that, many, many years. That skill set got cultivated elsewhere. Yeah. You know, before we were in ministry, when I worked for restaurants, and again, you know, restaurants is not your glamour job. Right. Um, I didn't, like, I couldn't be, If I don't know how to say this, I couldn't be proud of me if I was giving less than 100%. Right. Because that's, I'm not built to live at 80% or 70%. And I don't think you're going to impact other people living like that or working like that either. Thomas Edison said it like this, what you are will show in what you do. Yeah. And I, I, I fully agree, even when I was a school teacher and didn't love being a school teacher, there was still the same care. There wasn't the passion, but there was the same care, attention to detail and diligence as I have preparing work for students that I am passionate about now. Yeah. And, and you know, it's back to that thing of, my mom used to quote this verse all of the time, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Right. And if you truly believe, which I do, that there's no difference between the spiritual and the secular, then it really shouldn't matter what you're doing right now because it's all training for your future you. I was, uh, when we were talking about this earlier, I was saying about when I interviewed to to work for National. Right. Um, I I knew from the Lord, or I, you know, I had heard from the Lord, in five years you'll be in full-time ministry. And I knew that going into the interview. So I, I knew I was going in and interviewing for a position that they wanted to spend several years training me. And so when I sat down with the VP, I said, you know, they went through the whole program and what it would all look like and everything. And I said, I need you to know, I feel like in five years, I'll be in full-time ministry. But for the next five years, I'll give you 150%. But I just want to be honest with you that that's what I feel like right. where my life is going. And you know, even in that job, from where I started to where I finished, I got promoted eight times. But again, I went in there like that was my mission field, and this is where God has me, and I get to give my hundred and you know ten hundred and fifty percent here today. I think it a lot of it. I think God's looking at our attitudes when we're when everything's not going our way, because it'll give us a good. It'll give him a good indication of what we're going to be like when everything is going our way. Yeah. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It says this, Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We tend to think that that verse is just for the missionaries and the pastors. But again, if you believe that everything that's before you is the work of the Lord, that's an encouragement to do it brilliantly, to work really hard 
knowing that your labor isn't in vain. And that's the encouragement we try to give, you know, the young people who are coming to us going, you know, I'm tired of waiting tables. I feel like God's called me to, you know, acting or to writing or to songwriting or whatever. And you're like, hey, that's great. I'm sure that he has. But in the meantime, serve your t- tables brilliantly. In the meantime, yeah. take out the trash. Brilliantly. Yeah, you know, whatever be a good it is. witness by doing your job with amazing vigor. Right. Realizing that you are currently investing into your future you. Yeah. Here's the sneaky part of God. When you look forward, there's no guarantee there is a brilliant future you. You're like, Lord, why am I busting tables? Like, this right. sucks. Like, how right. does this make me a movie star? How does this make me insert whatever your dream job is? Mm-hmm. But the beauty is in retrospect, once you are what you're hoping God's called you to, and you look backwards, you're like, oh, I totally see what God was doing with the busing table thing. Right. He was teaching me diligence or long hours on set or whatever. Right. And that's just the majesty of God. Yeah. Do you want to know a secret? Yes. It's the secret that I would probably attribute to anything good that I have achieved in life. Hit me. It is found in Psalm 90. Verse 17, it's the prayer of Moses. Mm-hmm. And it says this, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I have prayed that verse for years. Yeah. Just like, Lord, I'll show up and do the work, but could you establish the work of my hands for me? And with that, would you let your favor rest on me? Yeah. When we were at dinner today, I was saying, I keep having this quote running through my head from the gladiator, that whole thing of what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I you can you can talk about that in a number of different ways. But I think one of the things um that makes talking about God easier at work is if you are one of the workers that people can recognize that you give your hundred percent. Does that make sense? So I think like I got to lead people to the Lord almost every place I worked. Um, and, you know, sometimes management, sometimes other servers, sometimes bartenders, whatever. But I think it was because you get an opportunity to live life in front of them, live life 100%, and 100% you in love with God is a good thing to come in contact with. That's brilliant. Yeah. Here's a verse that everybody loves, Proverbs two twenty nine. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. You know, many people want to serve before kings, and many people want to be super skilled in their work, but few want to do the work required to be skilled. Mm -hmm. We tend to write off other people's success because we think they're talented, not skilled. Stephen King, who, you know, forget what he does for a living, writing horror books, he is actually very successful. He said this, talent is cheaper than table salt. What separates the talented individual from the successful one is a lot of hard work. Like when I think about the different people I admire or mm-hmm. have admired in different stages of life, it's never been the people that lie on the couch or the people that grumble and complain. You know, it's they've always been people that have worked hard right. for things that they're passionate about or just been hard workers in general. And the Lord has honored that. Do you want two quotes to end with? Sure. Thomas Edison said this, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. <laughs> you're like the quote meister tonight well, let me tell you i'm just i opened up my quote book and pulled some favorites out thomas jefferson said this i'm a great believer in luck and i find the harder i work the more i have of it <laughs> <laughs> here's a problem that you and i both face as people who love to work hard mm. 
is we begin to, after a season of working very hard, we begin to lose perspective. Yeah. So many times we've had to go to Jeff and go, hey, could you have some perspective? We have no idea if we're doing a good job or not. We're just caught up in doing without actually evaluating if what we're doing is helpful. Right. So maybe we need to revisit on the podcast the whole topic of rest. I think that would be really good. Because we're heading into the Christmas season and I'm so looking forward to resting. Same. But we tend to run in, you know, marathon-like sprints. Yeah. Busy, 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 rest. The trick is not to die doing that. Perhaps we would be better suited at, at pacing our hard work. Food for you to think about. Well, thanks for listening. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask, go ahead and head over to alanandaj.com slash ask. And if you'd like the show notes for today's show, go to alanandaj.com slash 81. That's it. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll That's see you next it. week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 